Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. Now, if you have uh, not been with us uh, because you're visiting with us, uh, we are doing something called expository preaching for many months, all of 22, and for now uh, uh, a couple weeks in 23, we are preaching through the book of Revelation. And if, as I have your attention right now, and before anyone, uh, uh, d- your mind starts to wonder, or you, your, your eyes get heavy, let me just say something about this morning's message. Last week, our message was certainly uh, theme-specific to Easter and what would have happened if Jesus would have stayed in the grave. Now we're back on our regular scheduled verse-by-verse study of the Word of God. For some, that may seem laborious, especially when we get into some technical details today. But as someone uh, that wants to know the truth of God's Word, I trust it would be all of our desires that sometimes we have to get into the meat of the Word, and we have to learn something that maybe we've never thought about. And so this, uh, this topic today is something that's going to happen in the future. It has not yet happened. We're talking about something called the millennium. Can you imagine that there's going to be a time where there's going to be no more poverty? Can you imagine a time when a man will have his heart's desire? Can you imagine a time when there'll be no more prisons? Can you imagine a time when there'll be no more children uh, sold into prostitution and, uh, and uh, that, that wickedness of sin? Can you imagine a time when no one's going to try to transition your children from a boy to a girl, from a girl to a boy? Can you imagine a time when there'll be no need for hospitals? Can you imagine a time when there'll be no need for mental institutions? Can you even imagine a time that there'll be no army bases? There'll be no military. Can you even imagine a time where there'll be no casinos, no houses of prostitution? In fact, the Bible even indicates that there's going to be a time that the wolf and the lamb, the calf and the lion, the Bible even says that a little child will play with a serpent. Now, I don't want to see that because of my fear of snakes. I can assure you that whenever the millennium comes and uh, we're back here on planet Earth, that I will not be participating with the serpents. But the Bible does say that there'll be a time that there'll be no fear of the serpent, there'll be no fear of the wolf, there'll be no fear of the lion. The Bible says that Israel is going to be restored to her land. The Bible says that Jerusalem is going to be restored as the, the world's capital. And the saints, by the way, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're a saint. Now, you may not always act like a saint, but the Bible refers to you as a saint. The Bible says that the saints will rule and reign with our Lord Jesus Christ. That day is coming in the future. And from the scripture we know that this time is coming. It's going to be called a space of time called a millennium. How long is a millennium? 
1,000 years. Two weeks ago, we introduced what I said was going to be four corner posts to the millennium. And we only reviewed the first corner post. And today, our desire is to introduce to you the other three corner posts. To do that, let's look in our, uh, in our Bibles there in Revelation chapter 20. And I'm going to read the portion of Scripture, verse 7 through 10 this morning. Verse 7 through 10, Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says this, And when, how many years? Thousand. So that's is the so this is at the end of the millennium. So we know that we're living today. For those who may be new to this whole uh, uh, school of thought that comes from the Word of God, we're living today. Then there's going to be an event called a rapture. The world is going to be thrown into absolute chaos, and during that chaos. Um, there's going to be great upheaval because the church, that's all of those who are saved, those who have been baptized, those who have been discipled, those who love their church. The Bible says Jesus is coming for the church. They are going to be taken from this earth in an event referred to as the rapture. That will immediately usher into a seven-year period of time known as the tribulation. The first three and a half years known as the tribulation. The second three and a half years known as the great tribulation. We've spent months actually going through this period of time. If you haven't seen that, I certainly would encourage you to go online and watch that on one of our YouTube messages. After that, uh, there's going to be a return to this earth known as the literal second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. He's coming back, but he's coming back with a group of people called the saints of heaven. And that would be all of, uh, all of those who know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. We will be a part of that. We will return to this earth. There's going to be a cataclysm event that takes place called the Battle of Armageddon. And that, uh, many of us, we've seen the Valley of Megiddo where that literal battle will take place. And that's when all of China, all of Russia, and all of those troops, they descend upon Israel into what will be the greatest battle that's ever been known to mankind that will take place at the Battle of Armageddon. You say, Pastor Armstrong, how do you know this? Because it comes straight from the Word of God. And if the word of God be true, then this is going to take place. And I know the word of God to be true. After that, there's going to be ushered in uh, to the world a period of time known as 1,000 years called the millennial reign of Christ. So this is where we are right here in verse number 10. I got all of that out of that, uh, the verse 7, three or four words here. And when the 1,000 years are expired, the Bible says this, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four, corner, four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up uh, on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are currently, and, uh, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Father, such a, uh, a challenge today to help people's attention stay focused, to carefully and accurately describe your word. So, Father, help me not to chase any rabbit trails, to only say that which you approve of, and to not say a single word that you wouldn't approve of. And, Father, help all of us to have open ears and a willing heart to listen to your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. What is this term called premillennialism? 
Um, premillennialism believes that Jesus must come before uh, we can have a thousand years of peace here on this earth. And so Jesus must come back. That's going to take place at the Battle of Armageddon. After the Battle of Armageddon, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom for a period of 1,000 years. Today, 2023, our major responsibility as believers is to get men and women Boys and girls, to hear about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is why you are here on planet Earth, to tell others about Jesus Christ. So with this reminder, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first corner post. That first corner post, we just said, is this, is that Satan will be forcefully restrained. And we spent an entire message about that. That took place earlier in Revelation chapter number 20. Today, I introduced the second corner post, and that is this. And I, I, I want you to be encouraged, is that Jesus will faithfully reign. Jesus will faithfully reign. During this time period, referred to as a millennium, the Lord Jesus Christ will reign on earth, and the saints will rule and reign with him. And that would be you and me. You say, Pastor Armstrong, do you think there's going to be uh, here upon this globe, upon uh, a literal reign, a literal rule where Jesus Christ is back on this earth ruling and reigning? Well, of course I do. And you say, well, how, how, how is that? Because he taught us that. How many of times have you ever prayed this prayer taken from Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 10? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Has it yet happened on earth as it has happened in heaven? And the answer is no. Will it be someday? The answer is yes. Why is that? Because Jesus taught us to pray that. Would Jesus ever teach us to pray something that would be outside the will of God? Absolutely not. So there is coming a time called a millennial reign of Christ where Jesus will sit upon this earth and he will rule and reign for a thousand years. What's going to happen during this thousand years? And how does this apply to me? Let me share with you some, some subsets of the fact that Jesus is going to faithfully reign uh, one day. What I do see in Scripture is the Bible says that when, while Jesus is ruling and reigning on this earth, that human kingdoms are going to change. Human kingdoms will be changed. To, to, for you to understand that, I have to go back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, a prophetic book in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 2, we learn this. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up uh, to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and he will walk in his paths. For, our, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Has that happened yet? It has not happened. Verse number four, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall uh, not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Folks, there is coming a time of which if you know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, you'll be a part of it. That we will rule and reign with Christ, and for a thousand years there's going to be absolute peace on this earth. Can we even imagine such a thing? When we look at all the things uh, that are going on in our world today, and uh, uh, really almost every Sunday I could give you a recap of the news, and we would just shake our head and say, 
is this even the America that I, that I was born in and have grown up in? We would shake our head. Uh, folks, we don't live in a, in a time of peace right now. We live in a, a time of vitriol. We live in a time when there's war and there's rumors of war and there's abject sin. Well, the Bible says that human kingdoms will be changed. There'll be one kingdom and it will come out of Jerusalem and Jesus will rule and reign from Zion. Also, I see this. Animal kingdoms will change during, uh, during the time of the millennium. Animal kingdoms will change. I love this, and I mentioned it uh, as part of my introduction, but where does that come from, Pastor Armstrong, in the Bible? If you, if you want to know where, where Isaiah chapter number 11, again, a prophetic book, listen to what Isaiah wrote about what is yet to come. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leper shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp or the, a snake. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockerice den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So can you imagine? It's the millennium. And we could go down to the Reed Park Zoo. We could throw open all the cages and there would be nothing to fear. That's what's going to happen. Literally during the millennium, just like Daniel when he cozied up in the lion's den and he had the best night of sleep he's ever had in the lion's den. We'll be able to use that furry old lion as a pillow uh, to sleep at. Literally, the Bible says that during a thousand year millennial reign of Christ, there'll be nothing to fear. The Bible also says not only will human kingdoms change, not only will animal kingdoms change, but even talks about the earth itself, mineral, mineral. Uh, uh, there'll be mineral kingdoms that will be changed when we talk about this earth. Again, back in Isaiah chapter number 35, the Bible says, And the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossoms as, they, as the rose. There's going to be something that takes place. The, the Sahara will be a vegetable garden. And we who are saints are going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ during this time period, and we're going to see literally a change in planet Earth in what happens with human kingdoms. And what happens with the animal kingdom? What happens with the mineral kingdoms or what happens here on earth? But then the Bible also says that even angel kingdoms will be changed during this millennial reign of Christ. Who is going to rule other than the Lord Jesus Christ during the millennium? It will not be the angels. Um, uh, you can mark this down. Hebrews chapter 2 says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection to the world to come, whereof we speak. There's a world to come, but the angels are not in charge of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more uh, things that pertain to this life? We, I mean, uh, folks like us, we one day shall judge the angels. How much more the things that pertain to this life? What is he saying here? 
if one of these days uh, to have the responsibility of judging angels, can't you take care of the little petty problems that you have in your church today? Uh, that's what uh, the Apostle Paul was trying to teach the church. Is Listen, some of you make these little problems into great big problems. Don't you understand that one day you're going to actually judge angels? Get your house in order. I say that's good advice for even us. Sometimes we fight and we gripe and we complain over petty problems and the apostle paul's scratching his head and say don't you understand that one day for a thousand years you're going to judge this world you're going to be a, a part of ruling and reigning with christ and you're and you're squabbling over these little petty issues the bible says in romans chapter 6 and the god of peace shall bruise satan under your feet shortly the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you amen under your feet and my feet and our feet, the church. Uh, no, friend, we are going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that reign of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be amazing. And it's going to be a wonderful day that is yet to come. My friend, I look forward to it. I look forward to when there's abject peace on this earth and being a part of that. And not waking up wa wondering what's going to happen in Chicago, in the streets of Chicago. Not waking up and worrying about what's going to happen in San Francisco and the wickedness there. Not waking up and worrying, or is there some young girl that's going to be offered up to some creep, taken her innocence away? Friend, that ought to shake all of us. You see, it's out of sight, and so often it's out of mind, but it's happening all across our country, including the state of Arizona where even our young girls are being violated. I'm here to say that day of peace is coming when uh, the criminal is in, uh, in prison and when Israel's back in her land and when the bride uh, and the bridegroom and, uh, are, are together. And for a thousand years, it's going to be called a millennium, uh, a golden age, if you will. That's why it's so important that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know Jesus personally oh we've examined that satan's going to be forcefully removed during this thousand years we have just looked at jesus is going to faithfully reign we're going to be a part of that um, and we come to our third corner post and that is is that what happens after uh, the millennium is about to expire here and we see the final rebellion of sinners the final rebellion of sinners um, you say, well, this is so far in the future. I don't have to worry about it. Well, I think that it underscores the need to understand our Bible so that we can tell people about Jesus right now. This is the third corner post of the millennium. There's going to be a final rebellion of all men, women, uh, college students, college-age students, uh, boys and girls who have an opportunity to rebel against the perfectness of this thousand years uh, that will be on planet earth satan has been locked up and um, and uh, sometimes we think that everything is done and we're going to say this oh no he is back we he's been out of sight he's been out of mind uh, maybe in the back of our mind we knew that he is coming back but it's been so blissful on earth would you listen to me Boy, we just read that when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Can you help me? Where is his prison during this thousand years? 
It's called a bottomless pit where he is bound and thrown in this bottomless pit for a period of a thousand years. Well, that thousand years comes to an end and Satan is removed and allowed the opportunity to be loosed. And uh, his purpose uh, there in verse number 8 is that he's going to go deceive the nations of the world that have grown in a thousand years. And and the Bible says there in in verse number 9, And they went up uh, on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about... that beloved city who is that beloved city where is that beloved city the beloved city of Jerusalem now just when we think Satan is gone he the Bible says he's been chained the Bible says that he has been thrown into a bottomless pit for a thousand years he's been fighting waiting for that cataclysmic moment when he hits bottom and is destroyed but yet the Bible says that he is loosed again Not by his own power. It's not a jailbreak. He's released. And God, who is always sovereign, and we don't always understand him. Would you agree with that? We don't always understand. There are things I do not understand and will never comprehend in my finiteness about God. I do not understand why that's just not, why it's just not, okay, Put him in the bottomless pit, let it be done, and let's move on with life. But for whatever reasons that are known to God only in his sovereignty, he allows Satan to have one more final fling. I've thought about this, meditated on this, read about that. Why? Why would God do that? I believe it's God's final testimony to the wickedness of the human heart. It's mankind's final test, if you will. And there's going to be some people who are going to rebel and they're going to follow Satan. You say, Pastor Armstrong, I thought everybody was saved during the millennium. Isn't that a fair question? But the answer is no, they're not. The fact is that people will have children during the millennium, and when they have children, many of these children will have not received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And even though Jesus is going to rule with a a, a rod of iron, the Bible says, there's going to be no uprising. Uh, There'll be no Satan leading them in any type of rebellion during this time. But down in our human heart, latent in the human heart, is still that root of sin. And if it has not been washed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, when given the opportunity, to spring forth it will sprout it will blossom please listen to me and it's a very important lesson God has millions of children but God has not one grandchild just because your parents are Christians that doesn't mean that you're going to be a Christian every single person every boy and, and, and girl every teenage young man teenage young girl every college student every man and every woman they must individually decide what they would do with Jesus a man said pastor I heard you say that one time in church that you you know that my father is a minister and he loves God and I was I, I was counting as a PK uh, that 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 was going to get me to heaven and and you smote me with that statement when you said that God has no grandchildren folks every person must individually decide to believe on Jesus in the millennium there'll be God's children but there'll be those who are born children of God's children who have never been saved who in the millennium after a thousand years they are going to literally rebel against God they're going to follow this 
this Satan has been let loose, and God is demonstrating to the, to the world two great principles when he allows this to happen at the end of a thousand years. Number one, punishment is not the final answer. Satan has been in prison uh, uh, doing hard time, if you will, for a thousand years, and he has been allowed for whatever reason to, to come back to this earth to rebel against God one final time. And punishment is not the answer. Now, I believe prisons uh, are necessary, but they even in this life are not the final answer. And so I'll tell you something else, and that is this. Environment is not the uh, final answer. Uh, punishment is not the final answer, and environment is not the final answer. You can make your environment as good as you can, but after a thousand years of peace and righteousness down in the human heart that's latent with sin, that latent sin bubbles forth, and when given an opportunity to follow someone that, that looks like he knows what's going on, that looks like uh, uh, he would be someone that's handsome to follow, that looks like that he has more answers than Jesus, and many people will be deceived, and many people will follow Satan after this thousand years and so many people think if we could just change the environment we could change the nature of man do you really believe that if you do let me tell you something it was in the garden of Eden that man got into trouble in the first place it was a perfect environment where, you go, where are you going to get a more perfect environment than the Garden of Eden? No, I'm telling you, friend, that punishment is not the answer. And I'm telling you that environment is not the answer. And I'm telling you this morning that criminologists and prisons, they are not the answer. And I'm telling you this morning that a sociologist and all of his programs, that's not the answer. And I'm here to tell you this morning that an educator and his philosophies, that's not the answer. The statesman and his politics, that is not the answer. I'm here to tell you this morning, only Jesus is the answer. And one more time, at the final filter, the final test, just let Satan out of his prison house and hear people go with that sin that's a bubbling in its heart, that's growing in its heart. I read that when they opened uh, the tomb of old King Tut, this pharaoh who had been dead for thousands of, of years, that they found buried with the pharaoh some seeds of grain and wheat. And they actually took those seeds of grain that, that, those grains uh, of wheat, and they actually put them in an environment with moisture and warm sun, and amazingly, after thousands of years, they grew again. And they sprung to life. Isn't that amazing? After a thousand years, a grain of wheat sprouted again. That's the way it is in the human heart. There's only one answer to sin, and it is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we have victory. And so you will see here the final rebellion of sinners, that sin seed that's been there for a thousand years. The fact of the matter is that when Satan comes on the scene at the end of that thousand years, that that sin will be fertilized. It will be given warm water, hot sun, and it will sprout. And the Bible says that there will be many thousands of people that follow Satan in his rebellion. Oh, there's still yet one final corner post of the millennium if we could best describe the millennium and I'll call it this that's the fixed resolution of sin the fixed resolution of sin or the final outcome of sin pastor when will sin be done oh the answers in revelation chapter 20 verse 9 and 10 it says this and they went up and the breath of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about now beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven 
and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever and ever. And by the way, the beast and the false prophet, they have already been there for a thousand years. Don't you ever get the idea that hell is temporary where the beast and the false prophet, the Bible says, are and shall be tormented Uh, day and night, forever and ever. The Bible says that at the end of the end of the end, Satan is finally bound up, and all the other people that follow him, they are destroyed by God by fire, um, and Satan is bound up, and he is cast into the lake of fire. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can stand by and we can cheer when that happens. There's not many things that we're really supposed to hate in life, but I hate the devil. I hate him with every fiber of my being. I hate him. Uh, whatever name you want to refer to him as Lucifer or Satan or the evil one, uh, I hate Satan. And Satan will finally be cast into that lake of fire. And that bottomless uh, pit is like a country jail where the, where the uh, prisoner is held until it comes into court and is adjudicated guilty and, and then finally cast into that penitentiary, which is the lake of fire. My friend, there's coming a time when Satan will be cast into the lake of fire and he'll never, ever, ever be released. Never be able to get out. The problem of sin is fixed forever. Satan can no longer uh, ever tempt another human being uh, with sin. And so with that, we will say goodbye to sin. Farewell. It is done. I'm just here to tell you that I'm looking forward to that day that we can be fully rid of sin. The temptation of sin. Uh, these rebels are going to experience a fiery death. Those, uh, those young men and young ladies, those women uh, and men who follow Satan, they, the Bible says they're going to be destroyed uh, with, the, with, the, with the breath of God who will destroy them with fire. And their soul will be flung into eternity, and the devil that deceived them will be cast headlong into hell. The Bible will say, and this will become a reality from the book of Matthew, depart from me. And ye, ye cursed into everlasting fire that was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. But because you rejected me, you will go there too. My friend, if you follow Satan, I want to say it kindly but forcefully this morning. That's where you're going to end up. You will be in the lake of fire with Satan for all of eternity. May I just tell you why follow a loser? Why follow someone as evil and wicked as Satan? This is the final resolution of sin. Sin will be destroyed with Satan and all of those who followed Satan. When I studied this verse, this verse of Scripture came to mind from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 and verse 25. Maybe you could circle that in your notes and read that in the coming days. The Bible says, Then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all the enemies under his foot. Friend, what a day that's going to be. Can you say amen to that? It's going to be an amazing day. What a day when there's that final resolution of sin. Now notice what I've said. Satan is going to be bound. Jesus is going to reign. Oh, the animal kingdom 
the mineral kingdom. We know that the human kingdom and the angel kingdom, the Bible says, is going to be forever changed during that thousand years. Then there's going to come a final rebellion. And our Lord is, uh, 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 will put it down, and he's going to say, Father, here is the kingdom. I will deliver it to you. Sin has been defeated. Here, it all comes back to you. May I just say, Pastor, or you may be saying, Pastor, such a heavy message. It's so far in the future. I mean, don't you understand? I, I have to pay my mortgage. Pastor, don't you understand that I just want to hear something good from you today. I, I, don't, I don't want to hear about that That's so far in the future. Well, let me see if I can give you four thoughts to conclude my message this morning that you literally can take from this morning's message. The reality of the millennium means encouragement. When I think of the Bible, the reality of the millennium means encouragement. Encouragement. Now, don't get the idea that the gospel has failed. It has not failed. We are not post-millennialists. We're not trying to make the world better and better to make Jesus come. We're waiting for Jesus to come. And we're not rearranging the decks on the, uh, uh, on the, uh, the deck, uh, the chairs on the deck of the Titanic, if you will. What we're doing is we're telling people about the lifeboat uh, whose name is Jesus. And my friend, I find that encouraging. Isn't it encouraging that last Sunday we know that somewhere between 14 and 20 some people trusted Christ? Uh, you had a part of that. That should encourage you. Those people will not be in the lake of fire one day. Second thing is the reality of the millennium means this, expectation. I believe that Jesus Christ can come at any moment and over and over and over again in the Bible. We're being told of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Um, do you expect him to return? It could happen any moment. And I, I, I sure hope it happens soon. Uh, and some of you, uh, you say, man, not, not yet. I want a grandchild. I understand. I hope it can happen soon. You're saying, no, I just want a child. And we have some teenagers here. No, no don't, don't come back just yet. I want to get married first. Uh, this world is wicked. And I can't wait till Jesus comes back. But I have to look forward with expectation, knowing that the millennium's coming. But before that ever happens, I can expect Jesus to come back in a, an event called the rapture. The third thing I see to encourage you this morning, the reali reality of the millennium means this, evangelism. Oh, that's a word that probably we don't like so much. We need to be telling people about Jesus. That's part of our responsibility. Listen, the great proof that you believe what I've said this morning, and, and, and maybe you didn't get it down in your notes, but the, but the great reality is, is that if Jesus lives within me, I'm not ashamed to tell someone else about it. Is there a passion in your heart? Is there even a spark in your heart to tell someone about Jesus? Um, do you have a soul winner's heart? If not, ask God to give you just a little bit of boldness to tell someone about Jesus. Do you have a grandmother or a grandfather? Do you have someone that um, needs to hear about Jesus? I beg you to tell them. You cannot live with a, a paralyzing fear that they'll reject you if you tell them about Jesus because the reality is, is that if you don't tell them for all of eternity, they'll live in a place called the lake of fire. Finally, the real reality of the millennium means examination. The reality of the millennium means examination. Are you saved? 
Do you know this morning Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? After the millennium, people who are living in a godly environment, they rebelled against God. And Do you, do you know this morning that you're saved? Are you sure that you're saved? Are, are you sure your family is saved? Do you tell others about Jesus? Your soul is too precious for you to play loosely with it. Hey, listen, Pastor Armstrong, I'm not really sure to tell you the truth that I am saved, but you know what? Life is pretty good right now. Everything's going okay. I'll check it out uh, later. When I'm a little bit older, would you, I looked uh, this morning, just this, just this past week here in Tucson, I could find that there was accidents, murder, and um, uh, death of at least 20 people who were less than 50 years of age. There's a lot of people that's died in our state this week who are less than 50 years of age. And I just want to ask you, if you're so sure that you're going to grow old, uh, I'd like to know your secret of how that you can absolutely say that you will be here tomorrow. The Bible says that no man knoweth what's going to happen tomorrow, except for Jesus. So you, if you're uncertain about that, I, I, I want to tell you that the gospel is good news. You can be saved today. There's nothing to buy. It's a gift. Nothing to earn. It's a gift. Listen to, listen to this amazing passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you have heard it before if you've been in church, but maybe you're visiting. You haven't heard this before. It says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And it's not of works, lest someone would boast about it. Grace is God's love for you, and it's through faith. And grace uh, uh, is God in love reaching down to you and saying, God saying, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. I want to save you. Here's my hand of grace reaching down to you. Faith is your hand reaching up to God. For by grace are you saved. Maybe I could explain it this way. And I'm almost through. So you can close your notes and Bibles. So that way there's no more distractions as we go into our uh, invitation time. Grace is something given to me that I do not deserve. Grace is something that's given to me that I do not deserve. Grace is Jesus given to me and I do not deserve it. Grace is eternal life given to me, and I do not deserve it. Grace is forgiveness of my sins, and I do not deserve it. But on the other hand, we talk about grace and mercy. Mercy is, is when uh, I don't receive what I deserve. Mercy is when I don't receive what I deserve. Do you know what I deserve and what you deserve? We deserve hell. We deserve punishment. We deserve separation from God and family and friends. That's what we deserve because we are, we, are, we are humans who are sinful. Mercy is not receiving what I deserve, but grace is receiving something. Uh, grace is receiving something I do not deserve, and mercy is not receiving something that I deserve. Uh, I'm just going to be transparent with you. Uh, on Monday evening, Shelly and I, we were driving back from Phoenix. We had run up to see our two grandchildren. We haven't seen them this year, and so we ran up. Uh, to, to, to take them to the zoo and have dinner with them and then come back. Shelly and I, we were talking about some things that happened uh, with our daughter and, and, and grandchildren, and we were driving through a little town, and, and I wasn't paying a bit of attention. Not a bit of attention. And suddenly these lights, these bright lights were behind me. 
and and um and so I pulled over and 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 there's a person who was dressed very nice come up and wanted to talk with me. <laughs> and I I, I, I just guessed that he might want to see my driver's license, and so I pulled out my driver's license, and I was ready for him, and I rolled my window down, and he came out on Shelly's side. He wanted to see Shelly, I guess. So, um, so we rolled the window down, and, and, uh, and, and uh, it was a speed trap. The, 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 the uh, uh, what do you call it? Speed limit. Thank you. Uh, the speed limit went from 55 to 45, and I just didn't see it. wasn't paying a bit of attention. I was wrong. Shelly's not in here, so please don't tell her I just said that, okay? I was wrong. <laughs> and so I, I, I told the he said, uh, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And I, I, I said, um, you wanted to meet my wife. Um, I don't know. So, but, so anyway, uh, so he, he, he took my driver's license, my registration, and he went back. He was only gone a few minutes, and he came back, and he says, listen, uh, he said, there, there's nothing on your record. You have no speeding tickets, and you have uh, no accidents. And he said, I, I'm not the ticket fairy. He says, here, to, I just want to show some mercy on you today. And, and I said, sir, I, I thank you. Thank you so much for your mercy. Do you know what I deserved? I deserved a ticket. I was going in excess of the speed limit when he pulled me over. I deserved a ticket, but he showed mercy on me. Do you know, you deserve hell, but Jesus, he looks at you and he gives you mercy. I'm so thankful for that. We can never get over that. We have to always be in wonderment of that. And the fact is, is that we can experience his grace. He gives you something you don't deserve. And we can experience his mercy. He doesn't give you what you deserve. Grace and mercy are both a part of our life. I just want to encourage you, if you're saved, thank him for what he has done in his grace and mercy. But if you're not sure, I'll wait till later. I'm visiting and I don't even know. I beg you today to know. Do you know what you can do? You can pray your prayer. 